and, and what's interesting, uh, just even within our clinics, as far as it, and access, I mean, two of the clinics, uh, we really, uh, as they, those people stayed in the parking lot and got parked, you know, we made sure it's sort of like an extra little verbiage. Hey, we've got vaccines for you. Making people aware that there's vaccines out there. That was Jeff Eastman, my friend and neighbor and CEO of Remote Area Medical or RAM, a major nonprofit provider of free pop-up clinics in small towns all over the country. With the help of more than 172,000 volunteers, Remote Area Medical delivers free dental, vision, and medical services to underserved and uninsured individuals. And over the course of time, RAM has treated almost 900,000 individuals, delivering more than $174 million worth of free care. I am excited to talk to Jeff today because I reached out to him back in 2020, around this time, uh, during the early days of the pandemic, to see how RAM's delivery model might be affected by COVID and social distancing requirements and just the unknowns of the COVID-19 virus. So today I'm, I'm happy to check back in with Jeff and hear more about what this last year has been like, how the RAM operation has continued to serve rural and remote populations across the country, and how conversations about the COVID-19 vaccinations are playing out in our communities. So Jeff, it's really great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for checking back in with me. Oh, Whitney, it's always a pleasure and honor to speak with you. And thanks for reaching out and touching, see how things are going with remote area medical in our efforts to provide free health care to those in need. For sure. Thank you so much for um, for joining me again today. And I wanted to check on you first. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. As you well know, uh, this is not a job for me. This is fun. Been uh, helping lead the organization for seven years, and it's just a dream come true. Where are you calling from today? Uh, I'm at the office. Uh, you know, we got a significant number of people working from home. However, I find it's more productive by coming to the office and. and and help lead the team from here. Mm -hmm. And your headquarters are in Rockwood, Tennessee, is that right? Rockford, Tennessee, right Rockford. over by Alcoa, uh, uh, the airport in Alcoa. We're about five minutes outside of Knoxville. What are what are RAM clinics? What do they look like um, before COVID-19? What do right. they look we'll, like? We'll, we'll get down to the very basics of what a RAM clinic is. Mm -hmm. uh, RAM provides free medical, dental, and vision care uh, to those in need, whether it's through uninsured, underinsured. And we use a model called the community host group model. And that's where a group of individuals come together in a community. It can be just individuals. It could be Lions Club, a church, any kind of group. And they say, you know, we, we have health care issues. We need to provide some health care to our community. They go to our website. There's a tab to pull down, bring RAM to my community. We send them a little free digital little folder as far as what that entails. We don't charge, but we still need help from the community, whether it's food for the volunteers, lodging, uh, various and assorted different requirements. If that doesn't scare them off, uh, they have a conversation with uh, like clinic manager, Vicki Gregg, and they sign a community host agreement. What the most frustrating thing about my job is that we have to turn away over 100 a year of requests from the community. We're already fully booked for 2021 and halfway booked for, for 2022. So it's what's really interesting is when you look at these communities, 
across the United States, and we're talking from rural Rexburg, Idaho, to rural retreat Virginia, where we were this weekend, to Jellicoe, um, all across the country, is that you look at those counties, they've got lower positive health outcomes, higher COPD, uh, lower birth rates, higher obesity. You can go down the list uh, as far as negative outcomes. Then when you go to resources, they've got the least amount of resources, least number of specialists, dentists all the way across the board. But what that tell, tells us is that we are going to the right places. It's not a magic wheel we spin here on the wall. It's uh, actually people reaching out and we're getting to the right places. Um, and you've served in, in the course of the years over, what did we say, not, about 900,000 individuals. Correct. In this country. Um, and what, what are they coming there for? What sort of services do they They're coming for us. Uh, yeah, the, the first thing they're coming for is their immediate needs. You know, they're coming to, to relieve that dental pain. You know, they're coming to get that free pair of those total eye exam and free glasses. But then they're coming for medical uh, because due to high co-pays, not having specialists, uh, and not being able to take time off from work. And when you look at our patients, you, you'll see county employees, you'll see federal employees, you'll see private employees, you'll see working moms, working dads, that one can't take time off from work during the week okay, to go uh, to see a medical or dental or vision provider, and two, can't, can't afford it. Or there may not even be one in their area. As you, as you well know where we live, uh, if you're in Englewood, uh, Spring City, some of these rural communities, uh, there's not resources there. Um, I appreciate you kind of describing who um, who is coming to these clinics because it offers a different picture than some of us may have about you know who who are the uninsured um, in our country. They are uh, working parents, mothers and fathers. They're they're government employees. Um, they're folks with uh, maybe have a health care plan, but maybe uh, it doesn't uh, provide the coverage that they ultimately need. So um, RAM is filling the need for uh, all kinds of people. So when those clinics happen, this is before COVID, uh, my memory is that there are hundreds gathered um, in a parking lot or in a stadium or, or you know, together in close proximity to one another. So. Uh, is that still how it's been going over the last year? Or what, how has it looked different? Are people still coming and waiting for free healthcare? You bet. Mm -hmm. uh, what does it look like? It sure looks a lot different. Mm -hmm. uh, we can start in, in the parking lot and work our way through. Uh, you know, Previously, there were those dynamic images of individuals lined up at the front door, hundreds of them with little tickets in their hand, you know, waiting uh, to be called by myself, staff member Stan Brock when he was with us, you know, number one and calling them, them all in starting at six in the morning. They've been waiting since the day before in the parking lot for those precious numbers to come in. Now they, when they do arrive, uh, we ask them to stay in their cars. They are assigned uh, a number. So they're called in in the order that, that, that they arrive, but we ask them to stay in their car and we use a process to bring them up in, in groups of five, 10, or, or a dozen uh, to, to the facility. Uh, once they come up, uh, social distancing, of course, uh, masks are required to come into the building. We do a temperature scan 
uh, prior for the patient registration. And then we also uh, ask the normal COVID-19 uh, screening questions. <clears throat> Once they come into the building, we see we've got great volunteers for this whole, this whole event. We're welcoming people in, because these are our neighbors, helping neighbors. Uh, they register. Uh, the only question that they have to answer is where does it hurt? Uh, we do ask some other questions so we can kind of know more about who we're serving, how we can do a better job. Uh, they go to triage where nurse checks their blood pressure. And it's that point where the nurse, we just, things have slowed down, they're in the building and they can say, hey, by the way, you know, we've got a podiatrist here, we've got dietitians, we're doing COVID-19 vaccinations. So it's at that point in time where those nurses to have those conversations to let them know what's available besides that immediate need. If need, their immediate need is dental, here's where the big change is. They go into general, it could be a, a, a fairgrounds building, it could be a school gymnasium. Instead of those rows and rows of portable dental chairs all set up, lined up, and you know maybe 30, 40, or 60 all lined up in a row, uh, a lot of hustle and bustle, people lined up in the, in the uh, chairs or in the bleachers waiting for their turn, looks a whole lot different. Uh, there may very well be just a small sitting area six feet apart, anywhere from six to a dozen people spread all across. And now the dental procedures are delivered in 10 by 10 easy pop-up tents mm -hmm, with clear vinyl sides, connected to a HEPA air filter that circulates the air completely uh, within every one to three minutes. When they go into the tent, they stay in there with the provider the whole time. Instruments are passed in and out through the operatory uh, to avoid any contamination. And once the procedures are over with, then each one of those is sprayed with a, a vital oxide and spent 20 minutes to make sure that, that any viruses or bacteria are killed. So is it, does it slow it down? Is it a smaller number of people? Absolutely, but the need is still out there. Uh, on the vision side, it's similar but different. You've, you've spread out uh, patients waiting. There are uh, clear guards on all of the instruments used for uh, vision exams. The same thing with dispensing where people pick out their frames they now pick them out. Of course, the frames are put back and disinfected before they're put out again. So it's, you know, it's it slowed it down, you know, but the need has not changed one bit. Mm -hmm. And I guess you've been guided by CDC recommendations and um, and epidemiologists <laughs> around us. Um, and now that some of that guidance is changing, um, you know, the CDC recently said that vaccinated people can remove their masks. Do you see your operations changing um, in the in the coming weeks or months? We're actually having a meeting with our dental uh, committee coming up as far as that. And we're fortunate enough to have the uh, former Undersecretary of Health, Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, Dr. Gerard, on our board. So I'm sure as we move forward, uh, we'll make sure that we will ensure that it's the very best uh, for our patients and for our volunteers and staff that are at the mm -hmm. clinics. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that this job for you is is fun, even. Um, but, and I, but I also hear in in some of your responses here that um, the need is is great, and that is that feels um, 
tragic and difficult and challenging the fact that um, people can't get insured the way they need to be insured or they can't uh, access healthcare the way they need to access it. So how, what about this uh, process and this operation brings you joy um, even in the midst of this, of the challenge? It's, it's probably the best putting the words to some of the volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, just was up in a rural retreat this weekend and, and spent time with a dentist, Neil, <clears throat> and he's a longtime volunteer. Uh, is he frustrated because he comes year after year and it never ends? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, I spoke with him at the end of the day and he was so excited that he was able to treat the number of people he did. That, that we had done all the heavy lifting, we had done the logistics, the organize, organization, the fundraising. Uh, and when you talk with, with our volunteers, uh, they're so excited that they had a chance to give back and make a difference. And you, you swing back around to the patients. There's never been a clinic I've been to where on Sunday afternoon when we go to load up, because we're all pop-up clinics, and there'll be a patient there that we treated over the weekend that wants to give back. So I believe that people inherently want to give back, and you've just got to make it easy for them and create that process. As uh, No matter who you are, Everybody, I believe, wants to give back and make a difference in the lives of others. Hmm. You also mentioned earlier uh, the name Stan Brock. And for those out there who don't know who Stan is, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about him. Sure, absolutely. Um, Stan was an amazing individual. Back in the, in the 1950s, he uh, was a young man and sought adventure and found himself in British Guyana at the time out on a cattle ranch on the brazil Guyanese border is the largest cattle ranch in the western hemisphere like all young men he knew you know, we always know what's best for us and we're in charge he wanted to be a cowboy called vaqueros he found himself at this ranch and he showed up and said i want to be a vaquero i'm sure that vaqueros snickered and said oh sure ram uh sure stan well, they said just ride this horse over there so they put him on a horse named Kane which is Wapishana, the local language for the devil. This particular horse had already killed two individuals trying this. They put Stan on it. <clears throat> the outcome was obvious. Threw him off, put him down in the bottom of the corral. And as he lay there looking up, he asked him, where's the doctor? And they pointed down outside the corral, well, 26 days down that trail. Well, Stan had an epiphany right then that he wanted to bring health care closer to the individuals. And in his time in Guyana, he read books, delivered rudimentary medicine to individuals, learned how to fly, flew medicines from Georgetown out to the interior there on the Brazil-Guyanese border. He went off to a career with the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, uh, where he was the guy that Marlon Perkins, the host, sent out to wrestle the alligators and the snakes. Uh, then he did a movie career, flew... Uh, aircraft all over the Western Hemisphere. And at the age of 49, which I don't know about your family, Whitney, but at 49, I was thinking about retiring. What does that look like? Uh, he started remote area medical and he gave everything to it, every, all of his life savings, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we initially started out in an old rundown school. We rented for a dollar a year in Knoxville. He slept in the building on the floor on a grass mat showered with a garden hose out back, never drew with salary, actually donated his social security to the organization. 
We moved to our newer building so we could expand and treat more people. He still slept on the floor in the back uh, in, in, on a grass mat and uh, gave everything he had to the organization. He was probably the most philanthropic individual I've, I've ever met because he gave, he gave it all. And when did he pass away? Best wait three years is August. Yeah. Um, well, that's emblematic of what you were speaking about earlier of, you know, this desire we all have to give back. Um, and he, he gave back in spades and I'm so glad Ram is still in operation. We'll be right back after this from the Daily Yonder. Hi, this is Tim Merrima with the Daily Yonder. Along with our weekly updates on the pandemic numbers in rural America, we'll include the latest numbers on rural vaccination rates and community efforts to roll out COVID-19 vaccines. Coverage of rural vaccinations in the Daily Yonder is supported by the Health Action Alliance. We at the Rural Assembly encourage you to get your COVID-19 vaccine. Our friends at the Daily Yonder report that vaccinations are becoming more accessible and ubiquitous across the countryside. So if you're eligible, go to vaccines.gov to find a location near you. If you're still on the fence, or if you are an employer looking to help your employees learn more about the vaccine, we encourage you to check out resources we've developed in partnership with the Rural Chamber of Commerce and the Health Action Alliance. Visit healthactionalliance.org to access fact sheets and conversation guides about the vaccine. And now back to Everywhere Radio. I wondered if we could talk for a minute about um, vaccines. And you mentioned that RAM is offering uh, the COVID-19 vaccinations. And I, uh, I wonder what you've experienced in terms of people coming in and either asking for them or saying, no, I don't want them or, you know, what are those conversations like? We, we've had vaccines, I believe four different clinics. Uh, and, and what's interesting, uh, just even within our clinics, as far as it, and access, I mean, two of the clinics, uh, we really, uh, as they, those people stayed in the parking lot and got parked, you know, we made sure it's sort of like an extra little verbiage. Hey, we've got vaccines for you. Making people aware that there's vaccines out there. Uh, we've looked at a, I got a screenshot from a, a mass retailer yesterday uh, from a volunteer that said COVID vaccines available now at no cost. Well, if you think about it, you and I both know they're free, but what's that percentage of individuals out there that don't know they're free? Mm -hmm. Or if you look at my mom, who's in her 90s, and my mother-in-law, who's 82, they drive from their house to save a lot, to a Dollar General, so they don't see that big sign and get your COVID vaccination a year. So it's, you know, it, it, I think accessibility is, is a huge amount, same as the regular challenges are for all healthcare in, in rural areas. It's, you know, how do I get it as accessible? Gee, I don't have broadband. I don't know. I don't use the internet. Hmm? I, I've still got my flip phone. Mm -hmm. So how do I how do I access it? There's, you know, na national media seems to suggest that, you know, hesitancy, vaccine hesitancy is higher in um, in rural places. And we do know that fewer rural residents have gotten the vaccination than our, our urban counterparts. Um, but you and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago just about, um, you know, why, why that hesitancy? 
um, and what, what we can do to bridge the gap. And I just wonder if you could share a little bit of your wisdom um, on that score. Uh, you know, I think it's, as a society, okay, we, we could do a, a better job partnering with different entities to make it accessible. I mean, if you think about uh, the reason people come to RAM clinic, it, it's on the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to take time off from, from during the week. They know when they come to ours, we advertise free. Uh, I've yet to see any COVID-19 signage, get your vaccine here, it says it's free. You know, uh, it's kind of like a flu shot. Well, yeah, a flu shot's free at your major, you know, pharmacies if you have insurance, okay? So is there a miscommunication as far as that? Uh, we've got some organizations and retailers that are nationwide in scope and are focused on delivering retail goods and services to the rural communities. What does that look like partnering with them and providing uh, vaccinations outside that eight to five o'clock hour, you know, in those evenings and weekends? So it, how do we increase uh, that accessibility to vaccines? I think would make a huge, a huge impact. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember too, you said um, in our conversation a few weeks ago, you know, finding out what people need to, in order to say yes, you know, what are, what are the support mechanisms that need to be in place? Do they need a ride? Do we, you know, do we just need a conversation? Um, and also leaving the politics at the door um, is, is a big piece of it as well. So. Yeah, you absolutely, you absolutely touched that on transportation. You know, we, we are, uh, when you get, when you get outside of major metropolitan areas, uh, getting to clinics is a big, is a big thing and getting to medical services completely. When we have individuals at our clinics, they get, uh, unfortunately a friend brings them on a Friday afternoon and leaves them in the parking lot with a tent and, and we'll pick them back up on, on Saturday afternoon. I, you know, before I let you go, I'm, I'm wondering, do you, do you envision a world ever where we, we won't need uh, necessarily a, a RAM model, but where everyone will have access to quality and affordable healthcare? Is that, what, is that something you're, you feel like we're working toward? Well, what's interesting is that's, that's how we were founded in 1985. Our first seven years were spent delivering healthcare outside the United States, uh, Central America and around the world. In 92, we got that phone call from Sneedville, Tennessee, the hospital closed, they needed healthcare. Sound familiar maybe? Rural healthcare hospital closing. Um, should we ever get to the point that RAM's free healthcare is not needed here in the US, uh, I've got a team ready, willing and able to jump in the, the, a plane and head down to anywhere uh, in South America, Central America, the Caribbean, anywhere uh, to help make a difference. One last question I always ask um, folks on this show is, what are you reading or listening to right now that um, is inspiring you or, or something that you'd wanna share with the broader public? That's interesting. I find myself going back and reading uh, older literary works, uh, mm -hmm. Sinclair's The Jungle, some things never change. You know, I didn't know that we realized that we actually rented furniture to people back in the early 1900s. Yeah, so, uh, so that's, I find myself going back and saying, uh, you know, history repeats itself. Uh, 
I read the, on the pandemic and I know there was a lot of, uh, it was very dynamic back then, just like now, you know, things change week to week. Uh, so it's a very similar outcome on that, on that. But uh, we'd like to ask, add that uh, anybody who would like to, to join the journey volunteering, uh, please go to ramusa.org and click on volunteer. It's an amazing journey. Uh, you do not have to be a medical person. I'm not. Uh, the majority, huge number of our individuals are general volunteers to help with everything. If you can't come join the journey that way, just click on the donate button and, and make a difference. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, I hope to see you out and about around Athens here soon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Wood. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'd like to thank our media partner, The Daily Yonder. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly. Our senior producer is Joel Cohen, and we're grateful for the love and support of the whole team at the Center for Rural Strategies. Love you. Mean it. You can be anywhere. We'll be everywhere. Thanks for listening.